Hi everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of B2B Nav and this week it's going to be quite a conversational topic with Ollie and John um, discussing I guess pricing um, and value billing in terms of the, the world of agencies alongside um, maybe the way quotes and prices are broken down by agencies so this will be I think quite an agency perspective on things but um, we welcome anybody's opinions or input in terms of and um, maybe from client side as well of, of, of how you like to receive or see um, quotes and breakdowns and, and pricing structures so I guess to start the conversation what one of the issues we come across quite regularly is obviously what I term like value billing, but in the sense of from an agency perspective, quite often we don't we, we work by the hour. So that's how we work here at BDB. We have a, a hourly rates um, that quite often are discounted, and we accept there's a level of over service typically incorporated into the, the the projects that we do. And we're not agencies don't operate like solicitors, so it's not by the hour. Every single hour gets billed that we that we work. But then quite a lot of the work that we do in agencies and particularly on the creative side of things, John, I guess is, you know, intellectual creativity and um, it's not necessarily linked to the number of hours it's taking you. Sometimes it's the, the, the value that that kind of outcome and that could be a full rebrand, um, something as simple as a strap line, a tagline, depending on what you're working on, I guess. But what's your experience with that from the value side, John, in terms of trying to explain that or articulate that to clients? It's, it's a real tough one because I think clients sometimes, not all of them, but some will kind of align the idea of, you know, you can have some very functional creative outcomes and outputs, which are things like brochures, templates, fact sheets. And those are very easy to kind of quantify because they're a thing, they're quite functional. Yeah. And then equally from a creative output, you can have, you mentioned a strap line, for example, or a value proposition or a positioning or a brand kind of attribute that's going to last and have a value and a lifespan of let's say four, five, six years. Yeah. And it's difficult. I think sometimes for people to understand and correlate the idea of, well, why am I paying? I don't know. Let's say 500 euros for a fact sheet, mm -hmm. but you're asking me for 50,000 euros. Yeah. Four words. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the way I always try and explain it to people is you're not actually paying for those four words you're paying for all the mistakes that the team have made over the last 20 30 years to learn how to get to those four words mm -hmm. all the education all the experiences they've had you're paying for like 20 years of experience rather than five hours of time sat working on one project yeah yeah and it's sort of it's a really difficult one to kind of i guess explain and get people to understand and the, the best way I've ever heard it explained is the story of a guy who used to uh, help fix ships and in the docks of New Newcastle back in the like, late 60s and what happened was he would come in if a ship came into dock and there was a problem with the engine he'd be the guy they called and in one instance a ship came in it was in dry dock and the harbour master saying look this thing's not working we need to figure out what's going on with the engine and we just can't get it going so go right well we'll call so and so so he turns up he's got a little bag and he rocks up to the shipyard and he goes on board and he has a little look around listens to a couple of things here's some pipes gurgling he, about 10 minutes later he opens his bag takes out a tiny tiny world's tiniest little hammer and taps one of the pipes 
turns the key, pushes the button, whatever they do, like pushes the pedals. Engines roar into life. Perfect. Shakes a hand. Off he goes. About a week later, his invoice arrives for kind of doing the work. And it's, I don't know, we'll pick a number, let's say £10,000. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy, the guy from the shipyard is looking at him and goes, well, he, he, he was only here for like 20 minutes. Yeah. How could he possibly charge us 20, 10 grand for 20 minutes work? So obviously he gets on the phone and says, look, I really need a breakdown of this because I, I can't, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I can't justify this and I can't put it through finance because I need a breakdown. Okay, so another invoice arrives and this invoice is broken down and essentially what it says is, and it's the £10,000, time on site, 20 minutes, £50. Using hammer to fix engine, knowing where to tap, £9,950. And I think that's the way that people have to look at it. It's like, it's what we've learned, what we've absorbed, you know, sounds daft but it, it's the, the books we read so I know you read a lot I know Ollie reads a lot I've got hundreds of books and I've spent hours and hours and days of my life reading them to absorb information that's kind of the value that's what people are paying for you think sometimes though because I, I love that analogy because I think that actually summarizes it that that's it for me it is it's knowing exactly what to do and where to where to hit the pipes or you know using that analogy but I guess from from the perspective of a client's perspective quite often you do all the research all the insights there's all the competitive market overviews done by the strategy and the planning team and so on but the eventual answer that you come up with and the eventual maybe positioning might be something quite simple it yeah. might be something that's um you know i don't know not groundbreaking necessarily in terms of what you come up with but it but it's what it's needed to connect all the dots across the different pieces of work and i wonder whether quite often that's part of the problem that the clients have that they think oh, i could have come up with that myself but you go like but you didn't but you didn't did you but you didn't um, that's, that's the trick a solution and think oh we could have done that ourselves because <clears throat> we can do that in any walk of life there's lots of things out there that's some really simple little inventions or bits of tech or whatever they are a wheel doesn't seem that hard uh, but we didn't come up with it first and whoever did come up with it first is the one that's reaping the rewards for it yeah no i think that's exactly it though because i think that's what it, it makes me it makes me smile genuinely when, when the question comes up when you get like well I just, I said, why do I, why am I paying that much for that I, I, we could have come up with that with ourselves but you're like well does it work yes did ever does everybody buy into it yes has it fixed the problem that you've got yes will you get three four five years of longevity out of the solution yeah well I'd say we've done our job then and we've justified that you know the, the, the fee that we've yeah, proposed exactly. yeah. um but I get on the digital side of things Ollie it's slightly different I guess because maybe it is more structured there in the sense of it's uh, more output and particularly if it's more of a obviously campaigns are, are relatively tactical so to speak but i guess we see a different challenge there in terms of pricing and and not necessarily the value aspect side of things but more around project management and our, our time to do to do things um which i think is a, a separate challenge but something that we do come across quite often again um what's your take on that because i guess from from an intro perspective we try to be very transparent with our billing that will say here's the here's our, our third party cost for the advertising or whatever it may be and here's our time and our project management fees this is how many hours we're going to spend on that project mm -hmm. um and i personally consider that a more transparent breakdown that we're saying time expenses so on and so on um, we, we can be as granular as is 
practical, I would say. And I think there's a lack of regularity where it becomes practical because you, you can't really be realistic at the outset of a project about exactly how long you're going to spend doing exactly each thing. For example, you're not going to go down to a 20 minute breakdown within a quote. Yep. Um, but realistically, that might end up being what happens with certain phases. So we try to be as transparent as possible, breaking things down into sub phases. But it does, there are can raise questions about you know, what, what's actually included in this specific phase, or can you break it down further? Yeah. And what you're raising as well is, uh, a certain area is really needed, or we don't like that line item, or can we get rid of that? And it's like, well, no, because it's, in many cases, integral to everything else happening. Well, it's an interesting pricing, pricing thought process of, are you better just inflating all the individual line items and not putting project management on there as a time? Because people don't like paying for project management, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know, maybe, maybe it's my, my old days in finance, but in the sense of I'd rather know what I'm paying for that project management because I want to know how many hours I've got of those people or what expertise is included in this quote. And it's got that project management line, for example. Um, you can look at that and go like, well, there's no output of that. Exactly. You know for a design phase, I'm getting the designs of my website or solution or whatever it might be. I know what I'm getting from the development portion. I know what I'm getting from the testing Um Although testing is another one where I think some people can sometimes raise a question. Mm -hmm. uh, but project management in particular doesn't have any specific output um, outside of just making sure that everything else actually happens, that it happens when it needs to happen, that all the relevant people are kept up to date and informed and ticking along, and that all the project files are placed where they're needed to be, and that all the project is fully documented so that people need to know where it's up to. So you actually start thinking about everything that goes into a project manager's job. It's a huge amount of work that needs to happen. Mm. And they're essential to making sure that anything happens is. It'd be like going rubbish otherwise. Um, so it's definitely an essential cost. And but like you say, it can sometimes result in people looking at a quote or an estimate, whatever it might be, and just thinking like, hang on a minute, that I don't like the sound of that one. I think but, it is that I think it is that point though, because it leaves it, it leaves it immediately open to challenge by procurement or by the client team because there was no no output linked to it. But the, out, the output is that project being delivered on time, correct scope, correctly, that it works. Um, yeah. And I often wonder, you know, and I, I guess we're, we're in the client shoes quite often with our suppliers who we work with and our bought-in arrangements. But I wonder whether from the client's perspective, sometimes they, they undervalue or don't appreciate how much time we spend. So we all only have so many man hours available to us, um, despite how many hours you may choose to work in a week, whether it's 40, 80, more you know we, we all we all, we all don't work available aren't they really that's and what that. i mean so there's a certain cap isn't there on your on your actual availability of team and then sometimes with the project side of things and i, I know that you know john you've worked at various other agencies and so on but in the sense of quite often agencies downfalls is over serviced so in the sense <laughs> of being absolutely consumed with no attached billable value but um it's all, it's all like chasing the next big thing, isn't it? Well, we'll invest here because it'll come and it'll pay us back in the future or it'll pay us back then. And Yeah. There was I the, guy that I, the guy I used to work with, you know, was used to talk about tiny acorns and big oak trees. Um, hmm. And that's gen genuinely the analogy he always used. You know, so this is an acorn. We've got to invest the time up front. But I don't know about you. I've not seen many of those acorns. Oh, they don't, actually they don't grow, do they, funnily enough? No. So, I mean, you've got to be really strategic, I think, with where you invest your time. And we will do that. You know, we will, we will go in over investing smaller opportunities where we think there's an opportunity for growth or service line growth or, or cross-selling or upselling or, or just delivering a really good, a good project. But I just think it's one of those 
it's one of those ongoing debates that I have with myself in terms of when we do pull that budget together, do you line it in the project management? Do you wrap it into the fees? Would the quote say I've, so? <laughs> I've seen it done in like you know, a, a multitude of creative and uh, interesting ways, you know, yeah. from it being there's a number, yeah. literally, this project, 50 grand. Mm -hmm. What's that made up of? It's 50 grand down to I, I, I can't quote like that that that, no, that, I know. Drives, and that's no, back, I mean that drives me insane it just goes against every bone in my body to go for the one me too. I, I think we do it the right way but I think we do you know and I'm trying to think about the other ways I've experienced it yeah where, where project management account management whatever you want to call it is charged as a percentage yeah of the invoice total so then you get into kind of really weird creative accounting to get where you want to get to yeah I think our way is the right way but it does lead you open to i don't want criticism is the wrong word here but kind of interrogate. challenge isn't it open to challenge you feel like you have to and i think you then get into the territory of sometimes dutch auctions with people where you're kind of going down down to the lowest common denominator and it's a race to the bottom mm -hmm. you you end up sometimes i certainly do you get the feeling that people you're kind of dealing with people who know the price of everything but the value of nothing mm -hmm. and they look very much in the moment rather than what's the long-term yeah kind of benefits of what we're in get we're kind of investing in here i think I've, I've been through the motions of almost finding it quite insulting at times that people don't value your time so mm -hmm. in the sense of the most precious thing we've got here at the agency is, is our time and the expertise that we can offer people our collective expertise but there is a value to that. There's a value for every billable hour we spend on one project that we don't spend on another, or we work with one client on where, you know, arguably not the neglect of another client, but you could be putting that time elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I'm unashamedly would say to a client, you know, that there is, there is, there is a value to that time. There's a value to having those experts on the calls with you week in, week out, driving this process through and making sure that happens. Um, and I think that's where it comes down to our job because yeah. that's, I guess that's always going to happen is we need to just be educational on that point, which is just explaining exactly what you just said there to uh, and not being willing to to compromise our, our own time or, or deliverable based on you know, negotiating too far down on, on what we're going to deliver. Yeah, it's, it's like Matt said earlier, it's kind of like if you get to that point of if you are getting into a price battle with someone, yeah, we all know there is always someone who will do it cheaper than you will. Always. Yeah. Doesn't matter. There'll always be someone who'll do it cheaper. The problem is, are they going to solve that problem? Are they going to align everyone in the business? Are they going to get everyone on board? Are they going to find a solution that will answer everyone's problem? Probably not. Because yeah. they're going to be putting you through and kind of, I guess, a sausage factory kind of process where it's going to be like just throwing it through as quick as possible to kind of create a profit out of it yeah the other thing with the time element i guess and that scans across both points from the value building and the project management side of things is knowing at the start of a project how much time management is going to be how much um project management or time is going to be required to find the solution yeah. is hard so we can get you know you can give a best estimate and this is where agencies have to use their expertise i think to come up with the number so if we say right that's going to be 50 hours 100 hours just picking picking some numbers out of thin air there um, that's based on our previous experience of knowing typically this would take 50 hours or whatever it may be but then typically this is to a lot of agencies downfalls that i worked with prior to being a bdb the, the over servicing statistic goes through the roof because then you, you're hooked on the project you've got to deliver it you've still got to hit the same date when it's got to be done by but if the client wants you on 10 extra calls and more, them, yeah. 
you've just got to absorb it and take it on the chin because what I, what I don't believe in personally is going back to the well again and saying, oh, we've done an extra, uh, you want us for an extra 15 hours here or after the event, which, you know, um, which was typical in the accountancy game, you'd go in for scope creep at the end. So at the end of a project, after you've built them, you'd say, oh, this actually took double the time we, we thought it was going to take. Therefore, um, you owe us X and PwC were terrible for that overruns overrun recovery it was called so you had to go in at the end of a project basically to try and see what you could get and it was almost kpi'd on the managers to see what you could get out of it whereas if i was a client that would royally frustrate. oh yeah it would put you it puts you on the back foot and they you know it's a one step away from ending the relationship isn't it i think so yeah because i think you you want to you want to have a no surprises approach to but your then, but then i think that puts the agency at a huge disadvantage and i think we're yeah. particularly lucky in that we work with clients over a long period of time and i'd like to think they see us as i'll use the p word partners but you know yeah. I mean, along with them for the journey and kind of it's a more balanced relationship but sure. that means that you know we we've got a kind of we have to be honest with our clients which we are you know if we say look this is creeping beyond the realms of where we where we initially all agreed yeah, and I think then when you're on that longer journey, you can do that. You can be honest and have that two-way conversation, can't you? Yeah, no, no. Ironically, uh, the job of the project manager um, really is key in terms of understanding what we're trying to achieve, what we've agreed to, and understanding what is in um, scope and, and therefore needs to be accommodated, even if that means we go above our initial time estimates to the benefit of the client, and what is out of that scope, and therefore what we need to have a. a just genuine open honest discussion and say look we can we can do it but not within what we've already discussed and it's not what not within that original plan yeah and i think that's you know it's, it, it's basic but it's what you always end up going back to isn't it a robust scope of works alongside a granular budget alongside a granular timings plan should be the three core assets that protect all parties signed off free yeah 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 but it should be the part that protects all parties against this kind of issue arising yeah. however however the number of projects you could probably count on one hand that have all those different documentations agreed at the outset in you know set in play where um, you can refer back to them and say hang on a minute that is out of scope that's a scope change um is is rare because normally the timings and the and the appetite of the client to get something started quicker means you're kind of already on the treadmill before those documents are signed off quite quite typically which i think is you know Part, part of working in an agency as well you can't say well let's wait three weeks while we pull all this together um but again ollie yeah echoing what you said there i think the role of the, the importance of that robust project management which again then leads for that's what that's why there's a fee attached to it because that's what ensures everything happens when it should happen it's the most important element i think it's totally unrelated but i think one of the biggest ironies i've ever come across is that it's the professional services industry when i've worked and done marketing for pro services they're the ones who least understand the concept of time yeah legal companies are absolutely the worst they don't well why why do i have to pay for that because mm. that's all it takes you know it's a there's a real irony to it which is irony when yeah they do time they do time sheets in six minute intervals so yeah. um literally so you, you know if you speak to your solicitors or your accountants and I, I think it's changed i think it's evolved it's evolved a lot even in the professional services side of things um i've been seeing it the more modern um consultative accountancy firms these days don't operate in quite that way and um, but i think it's been a struggle for them to even adapt to the new kind of era of i can't bill you for every single six minutes that i, that I charge to my timesheet and that typically very much was the case in the past so um 
no, it's interesting. But I think I think I think on the pricing side of things, it's one of those. It, and maybe it's knowing your client. Maybe it's knowing what they want and how they. And you know, we we've got good relationships and, with our clients. And valuing what you do as an agency, isn't it? And I think yeah. that's. I've, I don't know, like. I've worked in agencies where there hasn't been that value placed on the IP within the business, the intelligence of the people in the business, and it's become very much a project-based. Right. Well, we'll we'll discount this. We'll charge you know fifty percent of what we should be just to get chase the revenue. Yeah. And then it devalues the entire kind of proposition of the agency, of the work they're doing, you know, start to get treated badly. But there isn't that kind of collaborative spirit. Yeah. Well, entering into that kind of um, situation is quite dangerous. Let's say we've got a, a website project for somebody and we, who we believe it's going to be £25,000 a euro or whatever of time mm -hmm. to deliver. If we say, well, we've got a bit of availability at the minute and our devs are free, so let's do it for half that price um, just to keep get something coming in. We're entering into, um, into something that I think we're all going to regret further down the line, and the client might be initially happy with that price, mm -hmm. but once time when our devs are all busy and that project's still going on, which one's going to get the focus, which one's going to get the attention? It's going to be the projects that are paying the the uh, I guess non-discounted fee that are getting more of the focus on that. I don't mean that's that's obviously not an ideal thing because you've entered into an agreement and you, yeah. you deliver on what you've agreed on. But there's always going to be a bit of that natural bias and almost resentment, I believe, um, in, in that relationship. So mm. it is important that we understand um, and value what it is that we know we're bringing to the table, what we can deliver, and and yeah, price accordingly. I think so because it's an interesting point um, in the sense of discounted rates because we get asked that quite a lot, don't we? In the sense of, um, and typically this is some newer clients we're working with. I would say rather than established relationships where we've got clear structures and processes and protocols in place for the billing arrangements, but quite often they'll get, "Oh no, they're your rates, but can you give us some discounted rates?" And you go, "Like, well, no, they they are the rates, like, but they're also fair. You know, they're not particularly expensive yeah. in the marketplace." Um, we're transparent with the billing, we're transparent with our hours, we're transparent with the work that we do. Um, but you, but you'll always get, I guess, the people that just want to feel like they've got a saving. Mm -hmm. So then that's, it's, it goes against my nature, I think, in terms of overly inflating the rates to then know you're going to discount them because what's, that, that doesn't feel like an honest relationship and it feels like a bit of one-upmanship on the way through, I guess, whereas I'd much rather say, these are the rates, they're fair, um, and we'll, you know, we'll be transparent with our billing arrangements. But and you immediately devalued and put yourself on the back foot of becoming a supplier rather than a partner. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. involved in a few projects in my career client side where we've, we've gone with that discounted rate option. And I don't mean somebody that's given us a fair price is lower than somebody else's. I mean, they've massively undercut things because they've wanted to win the business or because they've had that availability and they've cut the rates. And I know this is anecdotal, but none of those has turned out well. Um, mm -hmm. One of the, project that was delivered a year late another one there was a project um after a year and a half um i think we uh, basically filed for breach of contract and went with a different supplier um and i know we've uh, from pdb's point of view we've started uh, on a few occasions helped out clients that have been in a similar situation where we basically had to run a project where they've they've sunk an amount of money in that seems way too low for what was original, the original scope of work. And obviously we don't know the ins and outs of what happened in those situations um, in terms of those initial discussions with us, other suppliers. But based on the, the cost that they were paying and the work that was given, it just seems like there's a massive disparity. And then we've had to come and step in towards the end of the project and, 
and get things back on track. One that always sticks in my mind, Ollie, is when we when we were looking at um, implementing a CRM for BDB uh, here. So when we talk about um, that that fee structure of going in high and then offering a big discount, for me that for me that creates like a real lack of trust in the relationship because it feels like they were trying to I'm take adva- take advantage of you in the first place for the first price. But um, yeah, without naming names, I'm sure you know who I mean, Ollie. But in the sense that they started off at virtually double two or two and a half times the cost and then the more we pushed back and the more we said that's no, just not in our budget range we don't want to invest that much yet you know they go they go from sixty thousand pounds down to twenty odd thousand pounds let's say for the exact same package um and the exact same solution there was no change in it at all other than we, we pushed back quite a few times but i guess maybe in that um SaaS model maybe that maybe that's a more common approach for pricing a bit of a Strange one. I suppose it's going back to more of that value billing kind of thing because mm. the actual price for somebody getting on board with a true SaaS product is pretty much flip a switch. Yeah. Some some types of stuff where, uh, including CRM, can require more configuration. Yep. But a lot of SaaS product is literally flip a switch, and then you can go and use it as you want. And in that case, um, you can actually wonder what you're paying for, but um, and question if you should have a lower fee or if you can get a lower fee but if the company at the end the supplier there starts reducing their prices again it just starts you know questioning is it worth it should can, is there a good trust there do they know what their product's worth or are they trying it on and we're seeing that in terms of think about things like car dealerships these days at least within the uk we're moving away from here's a figure let's negotiate it down now to just tell me the actual price and that's what i'll I mean, there's a great saying, isn't there? And it's it's never a true word. So it's like buy cheap, buy twice. Yeah. And in this sort of thing, it's like to your point, Matt. The amount of times that we've come in and we've had to unpick previously created problems. Oh yeah. They've yeah. gone from below below par solution. It's just ridiculous when you go through the same process again with someone. I think it. I think it'll be an ongoing not issue it's just always going to be a consideration how you price and i think i suppose for me it's just being transparent and upfront and honest at the, at the outset and, you, and you're going to experience different people aren't you and maybe sometimes maybe it's a nationality point maybe it's um the way they price in different countries and the way they negotiate you know certain people just want to have a negotiation don't they to feel like they've, they've got a saving um but it's certainly not the way i would prefer to do things i suppose from a from a, from a bdb perspective i'd just rather be upfront transparent and say this is this is it um but you but you know when you enter in an engagement with us you'll get it you'll get what you want when you wanted it and, and you'll be pleased. i think that's, that's the thing isn't it it's like there are some people who yeah and it goes across the board a lot of services and products it's not right for everyone yep you know some people don't need to buy i don't know a rolls royce they only need a skoda or whatever you know yeah. i think sometimes you know, there, there's disparity in that, you know, the expectation versus what you think you're buying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thanks very much, guys. That was interesting. Good to have a, good to have a chat through that topic. I'm sure we will re- one we will revisit time and time again as the, as the years progress. Um, but yeah, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Feel free to check out www.b2bknowledge.com, our online ungated uh, content hub, helping our contacts, prospects, and clients navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. And the upcoming issue is the talent issue, which will be released shortly. Uh, so a really interesting addition all around attracting and retaining talent and a multi-generational workforce as it touches on loads of really interesting aspects. So I'd encourage people to uh, engage with that. But um, that's it for us this week. And we'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot.